everyone and welcome back to another episode of Deets with Dita. I'm your host Nandita and today I have a very very special guest with me. It's Gracie. Hi, thank you so much for having me as a guest. I'm so excited. I'm very excited to have you as my guest. <laughs> so for everyone who doesn't know you, just give a quick run up of who you are, how you met me and your favourite genre of um. film. Awesome. So my name's Gracie. Um, me and Nandita met because we were both at work experience at Industrial Light and Magic together. Yeah. And during the week, we just kind of realised, oh my God, we've got so much in common. This <laughs> like, is very it was, true. It was, it was like weirdly a lot in common. <laughs> um, and yeah, and my favourite genre, uh, sci-fi and comedy. Sci-fi and comedy. Nice mix. Nice <laughs> Awesome. So what do you, okay, so a real, real quick one, because I tend to always like try and mash up the genres, but there's quite a lot of sci-fi comedies out there. Yeah. So can you name one off the top of your head that you just absolutely love? Guardians of the Galaxy was a huge one for me. We, or, we love, already we love getting Guardians. into the franchise films. Yeah, exactly. Franchise films. We love them. <laughs> uh, okay, so if you couldn't read by the title, today we're going to be talking about franchise films. And it's something that me and Gracie basically is all we spoke about when we met. And it's all we continue to speak about. And that's an amazing thing, because we love franchise films. It's and awesome. It is, and they have been such a big impact on, like, not just the film industry, but I feel like society as well. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about the emergence of franchise films, so how they came about, you know, it's always good to know the origins, as all good franchises start with a good origin story. <laughs> um their impact so how they've impacted as i said society and uh hollywood audiences all that and then we're going to be talking about some of our favorites not so favorites and some ones that we really want to watch in the future so without further ado let's get into it <laughs> the emergence of franchise films let's start with the i guess the most important question mm -hmm. of what are they <laughs> <laughs> so franchise films um the kind of most saying it uh they're uh, like a trilogy a saga films that just have this running through line they all culminate together and they're from the same i guess parent movie they all stem from one movie and or um one company in particular mm. so i guess the well the top one as of now, um, is the MCU. It is the biggest franchise, the biggest film franchise currently. Um, and yeah, it's got 23 films that all stem from this. Um, well, it all stem from Iron Man, really. One common theme we really see with franchise films, though, they don't just, they don't always start with just the film. With things like um, Jurassic Park, mm. um, Harry Potter and yeah um Marvel they will come from things like books comics and yeah etc yeah I do I do think that's an important thing to bring up um and I think another key part of franchise films is the fact that like and I feel like it's a given when like you think about them but it's just worth pointing out that they're all in the same universe and it's like a yeah. whole like that it's like a little bubble mm -hmm. of um just amazing awesome like story yeah. writing yeah that's really yeah it's a really cool point I mean 
um, obviously we have like parent franchises. So while the MCU is technically a parent franchise um, and within it, we have things like um, the Avengers and then um, Thor franchise, Captain America. Um, yeah, you're right. They're all in the same universe and they will have this through line that kind of connects them all together. And we saw that in films like, spoilers, um, Infinity War and Endgame. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen Infinity War and Endgame, why are we in a franchise conversation though? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Hopefully everyone has seen it by Fingers now. We have, we have infinite amount of time. Yeah. You could be watching them right if, now. <laughs> if not, this is us endorsing it for Marvel. Yes. Yes. Spokespersons without being paid. It's all good. (laughs) So, um, I think with franchise films, knowing what they are is one thing. But I feel like at the same time, we need to understand as well how they became popular. Because I think for us, like, we're quite younger, like, in terms of from the timeline that franchise films have been about. So yeah. I guess the biggest one and the most impactful one that we've seen is like fruit from the beginning mm-hmm. is Marvel. Yeah, definitely. Like, we've That's seen... like our generation. You know? Exactly. That is our generation of franchise films being built up. And I think when you look at the popularity of franchise films, it comes in waves yeah totally i could not agree with you more yeah so like you had your star wars and you had like there was this era of a load of franchise films just came out yeah so like you have your like this was all in the like 1980s 1990s 80s yeah like late 70s through the 80s they were like huge yeah you're right like star wars um yeah, Star Wars and Indiana Jones were, especially talking to my parents, they were, I'm not saying my parents are old, but, yeah. <laughs> but um, they're older than us. So, yeah, just um, it's, my dad is a huge Indiana Jones and Star Wars fan because they were the big films, the huge films out when he was younger. So he was the one that kind of connected with those more than his parents at that point. But his parents probably had films that, they really connected to I think cementing those kind of big impactful stories at a young age is probably why people grow up like so in love with these franchises Mm. I do think that is a, a good point and I think when we're talking about like the evolution of franchise films I think that has kind of come in waves of genre yeah so like you have the main genre that tends to have like the most I guess publicity and like the most I guess attention in terms of like people are actually going out in like millions to go and see this film was sci-fi sci-fi action like it's always been dominated by that Mm. genre but then you had like the Hunger Games coming out Mm-hmm. and being like Rothian and yeah, yeah and like so and Lord of the Rings or like Middle Earth um yeah we see the fantasy I think a big part of that is um while it's trying to appeal to 
probably more younger generations but with things like lord of the rings you see the really sophisticated side as well Mm. i think it really is that element of escapism this kind of otherworldly experience people just get so drawn into it and um yeah i think it that's probably one of the biggest reasons why it's those particular genres that you know become franchises and support the franchise that's an interesting point because i was not gonna bring this up this episode (laughs) but i'm gonna bring it up because we love it (laughs) because i think it's i think it's interesting because i did a a small research project um like in year 12 it was like to get like a taster into epq and of course i did it on superhero fatigue we love this. Yeah, so I basically was doing like a bunch of research to figure out would p- people ever get tired of superhero films and mm. stuff like that. And I did this research into this like um, concept called postmodernism and post-postmodernism. Okay. Now, this you mentioned about the escapism mm-hmm. aspect. So when you talk about escapism, going to a cinema, some, watching or consuming some form of media that is like very like different from society that we live in today, yeah. you call that a postmodernism type view, yeah. right? Of like, and you're, that's the form of media that you're getting, a postmodernist form mm. of media. Whereas on the opposing end of that spectrum is post-postmodernism, which essentially talks about emulating real life within the universe that you've created to make it more relatable to the audience, which makes, um, I guess, the experience more, like, as I said, relatable and just like, you know, you can, it's, it's like shared experience and like you can, you feel like you can, see yourself within yeah this universe and you could place yourself within this universe yeah and it's interesting that you mentioned that like you have the fantasy films and then you have like the science fiction films Mm. a lot of the fantasy films like you could not see yourself in that Mm. and it's a very escapism type thing and then you have the other ones where if you look at mcu film you could place yourself in an mcu film just looking at the timeline in general, the fact that it falls around, you know, the same, the period that we're living in right now, you know, that's definitely a kind of, yeah, you can, you can totally see yourself there. It feels so real yet so distant. That's one thing I really love about um, dystopian because while it's, as you say, like a kind of separate world experience, it's always that little bit too close to reality to almost put the audience on edge, you know. Um, uh, it's a list. It's a little bit different, and it's not totally a film franchise. Handmaid's Tale definitely did that for me watching it because while you get the subtle like hints of sexism, that oh, it's supposed to be you know dystopia. This is the worst possible scenario. Yet we still see stuff like that nowadays just like in marvel you know the kind of um social issues seen are very very modern as well especially in civil war yes totally i like, literally that's where my mind just went straight to exactly so if you if i i'm gonna throw you on edge and ask you a question let's go i'm ready <laughs> if you had to pick 
between mm. only watching postmodern films or post postmodern films, which one would you pick and why? I think I'm going to go with the post postmodern purely because I think for me it adds that kind of escapism, as I've said, and it it kind of um it's quite enlightening in a way that right, I'm going to shut myself off and see this incredible universe, but it doesn't totally detach me from modern day. You know, I could have my phone next to me and still feel engaged in the film. Whereas if I had, if I was watching something like Middle Earth and have my phone next to me, I'd also almost feel a little bit detached from the fantasy Mm. because you're trying to, you're trying to consume it so intensely that you, um, you you follow the story without breaking it um and i think looking around you and seeing you know creature comforts of modern day probably yeah i think that would detach you instantly that that's how i feel at least i'm sure everyone's got a different point yeah obviously i was just a bit curious to like figure it out you know no honestly far away you know i'm like i love love a film question (laughs) (laughs) no i i would have to agree with you i would prefer post postmodern um mm. like film media any day like I were I already explained to you yesterday I'm not even the biggest fan of like the Harry Potters and like Lord of the Rings and yeah. I think that's purely because of like I didn't read them when I was growing up yeah but I still feel like it, it I would prefer watching something mm. that emulates the real world one thing I will say, you mentioned Harry Potter. I'm a very, I'm a very big Harry Potter fan. Um, and one thing I never, for me, the Harry Potter's a little bit more post postmodern purely because when watching and reading, I was in school, so mm. it was very much this is a little bit kind of normal life, you know. While it was, it's like set like eighties and nineties, and blatantly, I'm not a wizard, but. Um, I do agree with that actually the main thing yeah they were in school they were still going through like tribulations of really weird teenage awkwardness like bullying and stuff like that um, just, uh, yeah issues with teachers it's, it, it was weirdly easy to connect to um, despite the fact it's this whole yeah otherworldly experience and the fact I think it sounds really silly, the fact that it's set in England. I yeah. think also I think that also played a little part of it, you know. I um, think that does help as well. I think for a lot of this is just me going off on a tangent novel, but like I feel like <laughs> a lot of the destruction and a lot of the the epicenter of the things that happen in the MCU tend to happen in America. Yeah. And the only things that we've had in the UK was Thor the Dark World, which, I mean... <laughs> we don't talk about her. <laughs> we definitely don't. And um, we also had, like, Peggy's funeral. Yeah. And then, like, Bard... in general as well is supposed to be a kind of... Weirdly, everyone's English, even though they're all Scandinavian kind of thing. Everyone's got a really posh English accent. <laughs> yeah it's just it's very weird i want to see in the future more like just casually set or maybe even a british like not well i'm not talking captain britain 
But like I'm I just... would, I'd go hundred percent. I think that would be brilliant. I want um Kelsey Kirkland, Captain Britain though. She's we love. This shows franchises. We love them. You know what? Fine, we'll go all the way, Captain Britain. Yeah, and Captain we want more British one we can go for. I mean, look, America has Captain America. Let's Cap. You know. Where's ours? Where's ours? Where is ours? Exactly. <laughs> um, but I guess the I wanted to before we move on to the next seg- uh, segment, yeah. I wanted to touch on some of the earliest forms of um, franchise films that are that we found out. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the earliest forms that people, I guess, w- would overlook. Mm-hmm. Like not on purpose, but because it's like it's been ha- it's been a franchise for so long yeah. that we kind of forget it's a franchise, which is the James Bond. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like we've had, gosh, I don't, I'm not a massive James Bond fan, so we've had a many James Bond films, you know. And it's kind of stood the test of time, which is yeah. pretty impressive. The fact we're going on to yet another Bond um, actor mm. over this kind of long period. Do you know what? I'll be totally honest. I probably should have done my more research on James Bond. I don't even know how many James Bonds we've got. I, <laughs> you know, I don't. There's a lot. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the James Bond. What's really ironic because I think people very much associate franchises specifically with superheroes and wizards and stuff like that. Yet James Bond, you know, it's such a sophisticated approach at franchising like film um yeah he's a really he's definitely a more mature franchise character Mm. and it appeals to a more mature audience um but yeah i think you're right it really does get overlooked as a franchise one more i think that also gets overlooked um the godfather franchise you know people um don't get me wrong i think the first godfather is the best but people kind of you say the godfather to him and they almost forget that it's you know carries on after the first film i guess they don't really associate it as a franchise because again i think it's to do with the genre and the um yeah the kind of uh things associated in the film the kind of mafia um setting yeah, it's not seen as a stereotypical uh, franchise movie, mm. but yet it's still a great one. Yeah, and I think, I think that's a very cool thing is that the franchise films that have paved the way are not necessarily the ones that you would expect. Yeah, totally. Like a lot of people would immediately go Star Wars. Yeah, mm-hmm. Star Wars, Marvel, Harry Potter. Well, those are the those are the top three. They're the highest grossing franchises, so mm. people kind of forget. Um, do you, one thing I found that was really shocking doing a little bit of research. So the second to last um, uh, grossing franchise, Die Hard, and I thought that would have been so much higher. I thought it would be so much higher grossing considering how popular a film it is. Um, the last one was a franchise called Blondie, and I didn't even know what it was. It was quite archaic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, so I think, um, yeah, that just really surprised me. Mm. I think 
a lot of people don't realize as well that there are a lot of other things that count as franchise films mm-hmm. that you wouldn't necessarily think are franchise films purely because they're there it may just be two films that are set in the same universe therefore they count as a franchise film yeah so yeah. for example you have like some children's films that have sequels and prequels and stuff like that no. they are like, still yeah. franchise films tracks a franchise you know um yeah there's there's quite a few examples of that but you're right i think people just don't associate it as a franchise because they've got this kind of set ideal in their mind of what a franchise really is when in reality it spans out over like so much more Mm. yeah I guess did you have anything else to add about this so with regards to like franchises in general I found out some really shocking things in terms of um, ranking Mm. so when I say like the highest, it's the highest grossing franchise and um, or parent franchise. And so the top three are MCU first, then Star Wars, then uh, Wizarding World, so Harry Potter. Um, we discussed this uh, yesterday when kind of preparing, but um, Hunger Games is only 16th on... Right the highest grossing ranking which was really surprising for me as I've mentioned before that um, I like the Hunger Games but it was very much uh, in my school I couldn't escape it you know it was everywhere (laughs) it it was all everyone was talking about and um, I think that kind of um, almost ruined it for me I felt like I couldn't enjoy it myself because everyone was talking about it 24-7 yeah and it was only 16th which was really surprising because I thought it would have been so much higher considering the buzz that it got. I feel like that's a thing where um, you're in like a bubble surrounded by, if you're all surrounded by a certain demographic that a film is specifically targeted towards, Mm -hmm. you're going to feel like it's maybe overhyped or maybe you've got like so many people, it's like so popular. Mm. Whereas when you think of it from a wider context, like, you're not going to see my parents actively going to watch a Hunger Games film unless I yeah. drag them to go and watch yeah. a Hunger Games film. <laughs> so I guess maybe, I feel like that's the main reason why maybe some of the teen dystopian type franchises are not higher up. Yeah, I also felt like, um, again, the dystopia, don't get me wrong, I love the dystopian genre. I think it's brilliant. Um and it's done so intelligently for the most part. Um, I just felt like the genre in general, they just regurgitated kind of the similar plot too many times around the same like time span. So yeah. I think probably within the space of two years, I might be wrong. We got Hunger Games, Divergent, Maze Runner, all kind of together. And it felt like you couldn't finish the other or kind of um appreciate the other without the next one coming along you know Mm. etc it was all a bit too consuming um I felt I feel like that all three of those um franchises would have for me gotten a better um reaction and reception if they had just spanned it out a little bit um yeah I personally feel that uh I would have enjoyed all three a bit more if they just paced 
paced it out a little bit. It's that concept of like oversaturation of a specific genre. Yeah, you're right. As soon as one gets so much hype, everyone's on it. Mm. And then companies, like big, massive companies, are like, how can we capitalize on this? Mm-hmm. Let's get some more production films in like this in production and let's churn them out. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally agree. Mm. So I guess with that being said, we've spoken a lot about, I guess, franchise films in general in general yeah so let's let's talk about um some of the impact now the impact of franchise films is kind of huge it's like astronomical (laughs) i know i mean yeah you kind of i mean proof in the pudding highest grossing film of all time avengers endgame exactly film and then you made a point of the second highest is Avatar, which is about to become a franchise. So that clearly show how much people really love franchise films. Exactly. You literally took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> like clearly they're doing something right. You yeah, know? Totally. Like, yeah. Um yeah, I think you're right. Um one thing, you know what? Uh while I'm a huge fan of franchise films. I totally believe that in every kind of like subtext, there's always pros and cons. So effects on um, society, pros and cons. Effects on actors, pros and cons. Um, so yeah, I'm willing to discuss all of it. Hundred <laughs> percent. I think let's start off with the impact it's had on audiences cool right because i feel like that one has the most pros rather than cons yeah yeah agreed um effect on audiences for me definitely are growing up with marvel star wars and harry potter um again almost going to the sense of escapism i just felt so comfortable knowing that like i had that almost to go back to you know um not only were they fantastic films and i thought they were just so intoxicating all the cgi the costumes acting i thought it was great but i really loved the concept of um yeah the action and the superheroes being yeah that still human even if they weren't human if you get what Mm, i mean yeah I feel like there's a lot of nostalgia associated with franchise films for people of all ages. Like, if I will still go out on a limb and say, watching, you know, Avengers, like the first Avengers film, gives me nostalgia, even though I am only an 18 year old Um, child, you know? I think part of that also goes back to the majority of franchises. Again, didn't start with just a film. It started with um, books, comic books, um, graphic novels, uh, sometimes video games, you know? Um, and I think that's why they have such huge fandoms and huge followings of, because um, people have such loyalty to these companies, these franchises, and, you know, they support a lot of what they're doing. You know, we even discussed before we're both huge Marvel fans and we had a whole conversation about franchise films the other day without even mentioning DC 
because we're such huge Marvel fans and we're really loyal to Marvel. That's just kind of how it, yeah, you get a lot of that, I think, with franchises. Mm. Um, I think the um, the whole concept of, like, this whole... It's, when I think about it now, I think it's almost as if it's like a sport. Yeah, yeah. You're trying to... Who's going to win? Who's going to grace the most? You know, and it's like, oh, pick your team. Are you, like, yeah, Team Marvel, yeah. Team DC? Like, you said right. yesterday. Yeah. Team Star Wars or Team Star Trek, you know? Like... Yeah, agreed. Who who and it's always very and everyone's really passionate especially on like social media like on instagram like i follow so many like marvel fan accounts and like i see all the posts and stuff that they have and it's it's almost as if you're once you buy into a franchise you're buying into a lifestyle yeah yeah totally I, i yeah i really relate to that um i know discussing things like merch we could probably go on forever but once you kind of um yeah like you say pick your team show your loyalty you do a lot to kind of prove it you know graphic t-shirts I've got all my little kind of um bobbleheads of Marvel characters yeah I love the fact that we're able to compare it to sports because it's the closest we'll probably ever get to to maybe (laughs) yeah 100% yeah I love that so I guess I'm trying to think of cons about the audience. Like how, I guess maybe I think um, a big con of um, audiences, like the, the impact that franchise films have on audiences is the oversaturation that we mentioned before. Like the amount of films that, because evidently when you and this this isn't just for films this goes with anything in life when you are the first of something mm-hmm. a million things like of like the same type begin to like appear and come up yeah and i think this happens with like as i mentioned in the streaming site episode once netflix popped up all these other streaming sites were like this is a good thing. This is a cool thing. We should capitalize on this and make competition. And I feel like that's what happens with the, I guess, especially the superhero genre in the sense that you've got DC basically trying to compete with Marvel, giving you superhero films here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. And then you've got other superhero films going on from different like companies. They're trying to make their own. Or like, as you said, with with the Hunger Games, the Maze Runner and Divergent series, they're all just coming out at the same time. And I feel like audiences are going to get tired of it. And they're going to be like, well, I've seen something like this before. What's new? Yeah. I think um, I think they really need to be like parent franchises really need to. I think, yeah, planet. Right. One thing I can only like applaud Marvel for. We got phase one. It was awesome for the most part. Um, we kind of dipped our toe into the kind of Avengers thing and that side of the universe had already been cemented. And then we got Guardians, which was this whole shift in the universe kind of thing. And while it was still a Marvel film, it was still franchise, um, it was, it had so many brilliant things similar and like true to Marvel but so many things just separate from the Avengers um, 
and yeah it had definitely its own kind of creative license with that um and we didn't I I didn't <laughs> feel bored we didn't feel like we were just getting the same content it was fresh and exciting and audience wanted more exactly 100 yeah. percent. I feel like it's about doing it right and there are definitely franchises out there that are doing it right and there are franchises out there that are just unsuccessful one that I don't think many people know of is the oh I don't know remember, I don't remember if it's Warner Bros or Universal it's one of the two they're trying to do a dark universe okay. so like they're trying to do the mummy Dracula right all so- that type of stuff in like a whole connected universe I think Again, I think there's pros and cons for both. I mean, um, if done right, it could be really, really cool. Um, I love that kind of, um, like, the really archaic uh, horror stuff. Um, But also, I think, again, I think it's down to, like, are we just getting the same content regurgitated to us? Like, we've had so many um, Dracula kind of themes um, a lot of Frankenstein films. Um, with re- with regards to Dracula, I think Gary Oldman's one was brilliant. We <laughs> could leave him there. Just allow that to just everyone to appreciate that. But yeah, I think um, I think on paper it's a really cool idea. But yeah, you just need to be careful about regurgitating the same content. Mm. Ironically, though, um, we discussed this uh, biggest film of all time. Avengers Endgame I felt like a little bit of it was it was definitely a fan like fair movie mm. since we got a little bit of everything from the odd stuff we had stuff regurgitated to us um because we all kind of went in hoping for that a little bit we wanted to have things from um all the old movies and we really did where mm. it, it might not have been the best written that we've discussed yeah um, but as yeah, it was definitely a fanfare movie because we went in like seeking those little little pieces. I think that that is completely valid. Like the the whole thing with the Marvel like um endgame thing is that I think no one expected that. I don't think anyone expected it to be a fan service film. No, and- I know. And you and when you say that we all were secretly kind of hoping for it, it a hundred percent makes sense because they they wanted to us dedicated fans. We've seen the films like over and over and over again. We could quote some of them if we even tried, you know. And I think by doing that and paying homage to that, it was a good way of regurgitating content to their advantage because they knew that. This is yeah. like the closing Literally. chapter. It was it was a really nice way of saying goodbye to the Infinity Saga by having little kind of um, dipping our own like all the yeah all the nostalgia and um, like you say we like hardcore fans could probably pick out little things in the back of each scene and stuff like that and say oh like oh that's from Thor Dark World yeah like, oh, that's from Captain America like, it's like yeah I think um I think in that sense yeah that it was really a great film for fans mm. 
And so let's now move away from the audience and let's Mm -hmm. think more Hollywood. And when I say Hollywood, I mean Academy Awards, because what is an episode of my podcast without me mentioning the Academy Awards? (laughs) What's really sad is the big kind of awards for um, like franchise films tend to be... Um, things like costume, CGI, score, um, makeup, which don't get me wrong, like beautiful work goes into making those franchise films look as clear cut and stunning as they do. Mm. That's just a fact. Um, But I definitely think franchise films, there's like kind of stigma now that it's just for kids, which is really sad. And that um, so the kind of awards with regards to acting and um, like best pictures and stuff ten for franchise films tend to go in categories like, uh, or um, not categories, sorry, um, award shows like, um, you know, Teen Choice Awards, Kids Choice Awards, stuff like that. Mm. And seeing that kind of belittles the films because, yeah, it does kind of mark them as just kids and teens films, whereas these films have such like brilliant <laughs> there's so there's so much sophistication in some of the writing some of the topics the creativity is mad in a lot of cases um and it's sad that they're just classed as kids films um i know um martin scorsese's made points numerous times about how he doesn't really see franchise or especially marvel and like superhero films as um poignant films um but you know what i'll say it again a definite pro for hollywood in terms of franchise films is they make a lot of money this is true to go and see them um i know that your episode on the streaming services was so great by the way oh thank you and um but you you were so right and people have become a little bit almost addicted to them i guess because they're just so convenient you know, um, and now, especially with COVID, um, a lot of films uh, didn't go to cinema and just went straight to, um, I think, either streaming services or just buying them on things like iTunes. Uh, yeah, iTunes. And while that's good and everything, I mean, I'm sure they'll make just a great, just a good amount of the box office. Big franchise films really do draw people to cinemas. Mm. It really encourages a big premiere and a huge event. It makes a lot of money from like press tours. And that's just one thing that you can't deny with regards to franchise films. It really draws in the crowds. Um, And it also, again, another way that Hollywood kind of capitalises on it, it makes a lot in merch money. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's one thing that... um, you can have so you so many Oscar winning movies that are just stunning and beautiful and powerful, but I'm not going to buy their t-shirt because they don't sell them. That because it doesn't draw in the merch like um, it's you know, true. Marvel and Star Wars do. And, once um, once yeah. an Academy Award nominated film is done, mm-hmm. I feel like not to belittle the films, but I feel like they become a bit forgettable. A little bit, yeah, agreed. Um, It's almost like a... Yeah, it's a little bit like a curse, you know, because if if it doesn't win, 
people I think talk about it more than if it does mm. I find I definitely find that when I'm um, talking about films with my friends um yeah we're we're almost more angry about the films that don't win than we are happy about those that won and so the ones that don't are the ones that kind of carry on a little bit like their legacy and injustice sort of thing <laughs> yeah I feel that I feel that yeah I um, think um yeah. I think a thing that I wanted to mention about the Academy Awards is they're kind of snooty yes um, agreed. yeah I feel like they just don't want to nominate like I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of things that Marvel fans and like franchise um people fans are like um angry about is that certain actors who they believe have played their roles extremely well and deserve Mm. recognition for their roles are not getting recognition from the awarding the academy awarding bodies because they we like let's be real there are a lot of awards out there but the most recognized and most prestigious of them all in regards to film is the academy awards yeah 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 yeah. agreed it's definitely yeah the best of the best kind of deal isn't it yeah and because Um, of that because of the fact that it's been like they've been snubbed so to speak this is all subjective because snubbing is all about subjective opinions and stuff mm -hmm. but the fact that they have been snubbed like year in year out people are getting a bit tired of it and they're they're getting well like yeah there was this whole thing for endgame which like i have opinions about maybe why they wanted to to do this but loads of people wanted robert downey jr to be nominated for an oscar yeah oh yeah i have um i have opinions on that if anyone was to be nominated i wouldn't nominate him weirdly Mm. only because um i'm gonna go off on a tiny tangent he's very (laughs) robert downey uh, robert downey jr is tony stark Mm. just fact um if i uh, it's he's he very much plays a character himself yeah um and while he did an incredible job you see people really um in the academy awards to kind of like embody totally different personas and still like get I like you say get snubbed for a role exactly which is really disappointing um I think but I do agree that there there are numerous of the Marvel films that you know they could have got so much more and so much more recognition than they did same with Star Wars um I think that, that you know there are a lot of branches I can mention that for to be fair mm. there are a lot there is just a big stigma when it comes to Hollywood and franchise films in the sense that yeah. they kind of want to disassociate yeah. themselves with it think, but at the same I, time it's the same yeah, thing that's bringing them in the big money mm-hmm. yeah it's very yeah I think they don't appreciate how much um, it's actually done within Hollywood Mm. one thing you know uh, yeah you say there's a real stigma I also think it falls a stigma with regards to actors as well oh yes while it's really cool that um, being in a big franchise can really like spark a career we saw that with um, definitely with Daisy Ridley Um, 
sometimes you kind of it's kind of a curse i know chris evans made a point recently about you know um being captain america was great but it was kind of haunting him and he wanted to do more um yeah i think that's a case with a lot of actors um Mm. two people who i think really did it right and did a great job kind of escaping that um escaping the haunting i'm gonna keep calling it that (laughs) um uh jennifer lawrence who is in two massive franchises x-men and hunger games and um harrison ford han solo obviously in star wars and then indiana jones uh, while they're very known for both of those roles that both of the roles that they played in the franchises they went out they didn't just stop they went out and tried to do as much as they could really quickly to you know es- escape being put in that box forever mm. mark hamill everyone only really knows him for star wars which is really disappointing because his big thing was musicals and i'm sure he would have loved to do more of that but he just fell into the luke skywalker redundancy his whole life Mm. which yeah i think that's definitely a con of being a franchise star i i agree with that it's gonna be yeah you're always gonna be um attached to that role Mm. I guess let's maybe, let's quickly zoom on. We're talking more about curses. Let's talk about another prominent curse within franchise films, which is the sequels and prequels curses. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I, I, loved, I love the fact that, you know, you have a film that's so successful to begin with and they don't have any plans initially for it to be like anything more than that. Yeah. But then they're like, ooh, people really love this. Let's write another one. But it is worse than the original one and it flops and it doesn't do as well. And there are a bunch of franchises which we'll get onto that have done that. Mm-hmm. And I think some big companies have a. Some, yeah. I feel like maybe big companies also. Like some of even the same have both single-handedly done great, but also done bad with sequels. Yeah. And it's a very hit or miss thing. And it really shocks me that um, even if they didn't have definitive plans to make specific films into sequels and stuff like that, that they can so easily churn a film out in like within a year or two. I'm not talking about the big companies because like Marvel definitely plan ahead, but yeah, like, yeah. I'm talking more yeah, like I'm talking more of like smaller, um, smaller budget and also maybe small lesser like smaller in popularity films. Maybe they they expected like a small audience to watch it, but then it exceeded their expectation and loads of people are talking about it. So within a year, they're like, okay, let's quickly think on our feet. Let's make a film quickly. And so before the hype goes and let people watch it, which is, I don't think that's the way you should approach making a franchise. I think with um, some franchises that, yeah, I think there's that kind of shock of, oh my God, these people actually really liked the first one. Um, Maybe it's just down to, um, yeah, churning, rushing a film out. 
So like, well, we need to get another one out quick, otherwise the hype's going to go down. I think there's a little bit of that worry in there. Um, potentially is down to, I guess, maybe a little bit of cockiness, I suppose, if a director or a writer thinks, smash the first film, next one's going to be just as good. How could it not? And then it just falls short. I mean, Iron Man 2, anyone? <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. I, made it, I, I think it's really ironic. I definitely think Iron Man has the best first film. Captain America has the best second film. Thor has the best third film. Other yeah. than that, the others within are kind of, yeah, hit or miss for me. Yeah, it's definitely origins, as in, we're not even just talking about origins of characters, we're talking about origins of, like, the, the initial part of the franchise, like, the initial yeah. building of it. You can definitely see the quality wavers a lot yeah. between the films. Agreed. But then now you look at the more established films, we keep coming back to Marvel, but it's, like, the best example, because yeah, they're a very uh, established franchise. Do you know, and I think also, because there's so many films as well, there's 23, so you can't not pick out some little trends and patterns I think mm. and then you look at the later films of the Marvel like universe and you see that it's a lot more difficult to pick out maybe weaker films in the sense that like they now understand that they need to come back with strong plots strong storylines I think um w- while I said that um Iron Man Cap and Thor have wavering in their trilogies in terms of yeah quality i definitely think um spider-man and uh guardians are going to escape that because now marvel's lives are saying more established they know what audiences for those particular like those um sub franchises want they Mm. know what they don't want they know what people like what they're known for and what to like keep keep an eye on so i think it's a really yeah, I think the later franchises within Marvel have really lucked out in that sense, actually. Yeah, for sure. Um, So we have been babbling on about this impact now for a little while. Yeah. So let's get... Yeah. Franchises have a big impact. <laughs> they, they definitely... This, this is proof. <laughs> too lazy, didn't, didn't listen to this. They have a big impact. <laughs> they have, literally. And... I think it's now perfect timing to kind of segue onto what our favorite, like our personal experiences with like franchises and like yes. some of our favorites, not so favorites <laughs> and like ones that we're anticipating to watch. Let's talk about favorites. So seeing as you're the guest, I'll let you go first. So um, if I was to do a top three, no particular order, but we're going to go with Marvel first if you haven't have guessed <laughs> it's just so brilliant how all of these films are such total originality and they all have their own creative license and things that I both love and dislike in all of them are in this just awesome universe I think it's so cool and it's definitely one of the most established franchises for a reason because they put in so much effort to make it what fans want mm. um, while also staying true to the comic books in a lot of ways um, and yeah just staying true to the nerdy side 
for sure for sure um I guess I'll I'll just jump on that bandwagon as well because I definitely put MCU as like one of my favorites of all time and I think it's purely because like it's it's just that nostalgia isn't it it's like we grew up with it we were young it's like some of my earliest memories of going to the cinema were going to see Marvel films yeah yeah and I think that in itself is such a big impact on a person's life and I've said this before like in my first MCU phase like starting to go through the films um episode I said that the MCU was kind of my gateway into discovering different actors and yeah yeah yeah, totally discovering like oh I really like this person they do more stuff I didn't know they do more stuff outside of this and Mm -hmm. like it's where I found my favorite director of all time, Taika Waititi. Like, <laughs> I do owe a we lot we to love. MCU. Yeah. I definitely think, yeah, it's just been so beneficial for audiences and actors in that sense. You know, it really, it can really cement their careers, essentially. Mm. Um, and I can't really think of anyone any actors who haven't really benefited from it. I think, I know we said about the kind of curse of, you know, franchise acting, but really it's just had such a positive effect on everyone currently acting in it, I think. Mm, Yeah. So I'm going to say, go out on a limb and say that technically Pixar is a franchise yes and I say this because of the Pixar theory I definitely I'm gonna do an episode on the Pixar theory (laughs) the Pixar theory I want to do an episode on the Pixar theory because it is so interesting and I think that you take it you're taking essentially a kid's universe right and you're making it so much more like you've elevated it from this theory and I think it's it's something that is enjoyable as a kid but then you look at it as a as an adult or like as you're growing up and see you start seeing these connections and all although it's a theory I would like to believe that it is like really true there's so much yeah totally Pixar in general is great, I think. But then, yeah, adding the theory to it is just... It adds a whole other depth of intelligence to it. Not to mention how awesome the animation is and how incredible... It's just mind-blowing. But, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, Pixar... We love Pixar. Yes. What was your other two? So my second would probably have to be Star Wars. Um definitely while there's a lot of things that I really like and don't like the first trilogy was just like you know New Hope yeah oh just so good it just a real I mean I wasn't even born when it came out but I even feel that sense of nostalgia just watching it mm. um and it's such no other movie like has made me feel so excited shaken and emotional like empire strike back does like Mm. genuinely just watching it it's just mind-blowing for me um 
yeah I'm gonna have to leave it there otherwise I'm gonna uh, keep going on for too long about it but just Star Wars how can you not love Star Wars it's so cool exactly Uh, few issues issues maybe with the new trilogy but (laughs) um yeah we don't talk about her (laughs) (laughs) but you know what um I have faith in whoever's running Star Wars next because I don't think it's going to be Kathleen Kennedy for long Take it with TT. Take it with TT. Or John Favreau. Oh my gosh, those two as a tag team, beautiful. It's so good though. Like John Favreau did Mandalorian, and then also you have the um whole Take it with TT did the last episode of the Mandalorian, and now he's doing a film for it, and it's yeah. like promising. One everything thing... is very promising. I'll just add. Do you know, a little add something. Um, because. I think fans love franchise films so much and they put so much support into them and they will just feed into it. You can definitely, you know, it's now allowing franchises to expand from films to television as well because they know it has the support of, you know, the fans. The Mm. amount of uh, TV shows Marvel have done and are going to continue to do linked to um, the MCU um and yeah the amount of um support mandalorian has got i think it's again it just goes to show people really like franchises they love it um okay so my last one is the hunger games we already touched on it Mm -hmm. the reason why i think this franchise is amazing is because we know twilight right that was kind of testing the waters in a sense for it's, it was kind of outside of I think our age group just I think just a bit yeah, yeah. I think we so, were a bit too young to kind of grasp all of it yeah exactly like to get on the hype of all that mm-hmm, agreed and instead we were like we got to experience the Hunger Games and I think for every like I read the Hunger Games books I was definitely invested in them um and I think the biggest thing was that they were actually really good films like really well written well acted like I I could watch Catching Fire today and still be completely in awe and in love with it yeah and I think that's such an important thing to to talk about because I the Hunger Games paved the way for these newer generation like um, when people now think of teen dystopian films the first one they'll think of is the Hunger Games and how it shaped the genre I don't I I don't think it's just because it was like the first I think it's because it was the best true it was just so well done I think Um, and I know I've said I couldn't really escape it so I probably didn't invest in it the most but I can't really deny that out of the three I mentioned earlier, that one is definitely the best. It's the one that stands out the most to me. For sure. Um, so now you have your last one. Cool. Gonna go out on a limb here, but it is one of my favourites. And it's Alien, the Alien franchise. Ooh. So, um, I've mentioned I just love sci-fi. I love just that whole experience of it in general. 
But you know what? I love the mix of the kind of horror element as well. I really do. And I think while within the Alien franchise, there are a few hit and misses. Mm. Um, First Alien, Prometheus, Alien Covenant, like probably my top three. That I just think they were so well done. Um, they're really great films. They again, they all have this through line of the aliens' origin, and I don't want to. I know it's one of the films that people tend to say like, "Oh, I really need to watch it," so I won't spoil all of it. But mm. um, yeah, I think I think it's really underestimated because it's more associated with horror than it is sci-fi. But you know what? If you're a sci-fi fan, I genuinely think you should sit down and really invest in it because it's just so weird and wonderful. <laughs> I mean, you've definitely sold me. I'm definitely going to... Yeah, it's it. just cool. It's cool. I'm definitely going to watch gross it. gross and cool. <laughs> I've been recommended now by two people to watch the Alien um, franchise. Yeah. So I definitely will. Probably by the time this episode comes out, Maybe I would have seen it by now. So yes. hopefully I enjoy it. <laughs> like future me, hopefully you enjoy the Alien franchise. Fingers crossed. I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for it. Thank you. Thank you. So I guess now let's move on to some non-amazing ones. Um, so I'm going to start off with... Okay. I'll start off with... Okay. Okay. Fine. So all the Netflix teen film universes that they have created they're just not great (laughs) like when I mentioned this in like a previous episode like the kissing booth just not like that even the first one of that film was just not great then you have to all the boys I loved before that first one was amazing second one you're breaking my heart that was horrible um and then you have (laughs) One called After, which I have heard terrible things of, and I don't want to watch it. Um, but I'm going to have to because the sequel's coming out, and it's got Dylan Sprouse in it. I'm like, ooh, Dylan Sprouse. Mm, I'm tempted. <laughs> um, and then you've got like, oh, there's so many more. There's like, Sarah Budge is a loser. Like the what's the oh what's the one with bloody Noah and the perfect date. All these ones. Yeah. Like even some of them are not franchises, but they're like turning in they're going to be turning into franchises at some point i see it yeah just like all those films like no like i will watch them because i don't know why yeah (laughs) you feel the need to kind of i'm definitely the kind of person that's like if someone gives a film a bad review i'm like i kind of want to i kind of want to find out if it's genuine or if you've just got like if that's just your opinion but and yeah with the netflix ones i know there was a definitely with my friends there was a real hype about it at first and then this the more they watched it they were like actually this is a really crap film yeah like definitely yeah i definitely got that um at first i actually thought some of the netflix ones i didn't like them because i couldn't relate because maybe it was more of an american thing oh yeah for sure but even I've got friends in the States, they're literally like, no, they're just not great. That's literally nothing <laughs> like what being an American teenager is like. I don't know what you... <laughs> a lot of these films um, are made by um, 
let's say older men who I guess are kind of out of touch out of touch with the high school experience and they're trying to make it edgy and they're trying to make it like relatable but I'm like if you want edgy and relatable get a younger person in and on board making it Mm -hmm. so what's one franchise that you don't particularly like I could either get a lot of backlash from this or a lot of people supporting I really don't like Fast and Furious like any of the Fast there's too many of them (laughs) for start there's too many of them MCU is 23 films but they're all unique in their own way Fast and Furious is just the same People just driving fast cars, talking about friendship, and no, it's not. It's not friendship. Family. It's family. It's family. (laughs) There you go. I just, I really just don't like them. I'm, I'm denied. There's movies about cars that, and like racing and stuff like that. I really enjoyed. So it's not because I don't like cars. I just really didn't like the films. <laughs> you know what? I that's the simplest way I can describe it. I've tried numerous times to rewatch them and try and try and like them because they're such a cult thing. But I just really can't, honestly. Speaking of cars, uh oh, <laughs> I this is another potentially backlash film. Yeah, this, like, this yeah, is backlash opinion. This is another potentially backlash opinion. Um, I don't like the Cars franchise, and like this is this is like a sub franchise of like the bigger Pixar, right? Which you ironically love. Yes, <laughs> it's like I can get behind almost every Pixar film, bar the Cars franchise and one other film that I'm not going to say because that might also cause backlash as well. <laughs> but I just, oh, I just, <laughs> it's become such a meme. The Cars film, yeah. it's like Owen Wilson, just, I, it's become so much of a meme and it's, it's transcended the point where I can watch this film without laughing the entire way through because it's just yeah. a joke to me. Um, and I think in some way that's a form of entertainment. But in my eyes, I'm like, if I'm watching a film, a children's film, like, I want nostalgia. I don't want to be laughing at the film. You want to be laughing with the film. Mm-hmm. And, I agree with you. Yeah, and it's just I think the cars, like especially the second one, was not great. And I think they, when they did planes, because I count that as the same universe. Okay. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, it must be. Mm. Yeah, I can't see why it, it wouldn't be. Yeah, I count. I mean, Pixar theory in general, technically, it's kind of like all the same universe. True, you know? true. But I feel like planes is because they use the same like animation style and like the design yeah. of like the way that the cars look and the way look, the planes yeah. look. Like that was a horrible horrible sub franchise and that all stem from cars so i just have a lot of yeah. hate towards this it causes yeah, it makes me really it. angry do you know what i really loved the first one mm. can't remember the second one at all it's the one it where the third... where mater became the, a spy the second one, the spy one? Yeah. yeah didn't see the third one to be fair um yeah i think uh i really liked the first one mm. i think we could have left it there. Um, we've not had a second Ratatouille, 
And I think, if anything, that deserved a sequel more than Cars did. You know what? Thank you for the Ratatouille appreciation. <laughs> Love Ratatouille. That is definitely my favourite of the Pixar films. Oh, no. Oh. Is it? <laughs> I did love Nemo. Didn't love Finding Dory though. Sequels, sequel curse. Sorry about. I really, do you know? I really liked both Monsters Inc. films though. Mm. I think maybe those three are like my favorite. I have a controversial thing where I super like. I'm really in love with Brave. Oh really? Brave is a Pixar film, and I'm really in love with it. It's weird because hardly anyone classes it as even fact. It is Pixar. Mm. Um, everyone's just like, oh, it's a princess film. Mm. You know, so it's kind of part of the princess universe sort of thing. It feels like but, it fits yeah. neither in the princess universe nor the Pixar universe. I get it. Yeah, totally. Uh, greed. Oh, what's my second? Oh, no, I do have it. Um, Jason Bourne films. I just really couldn't get behind them, personally. Um... It took me a while to get into them, if you know what I mean, just because um, it's ve- the, the first one's very quick starting, so it's like, he's Jason Bourne, he's not Jason Bourne, okay, who is he then? And then they've got Jeremy Renner involved, and is he Jason Bourne, is he not? Um, I'm making it sound a lot more confusing than it is, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> um, to me, uh, I'm not a big, the biggest fan of James Bond, but I definitely prefer James Bond to Jason Bourne. Um, I felt like Jason Bourne might have been like the little kind of attempt at a modernization, maybe. It all kind of, to me, all kind of stemmed. I compare most spy films to James Bond like stuff now. And, you know, James Bond set a lot of precedent for, um, you know, monitoring, I guess, like how great a spy film is and. Um, you know adds little cliches and I just feel like there was less of a creative license with Jason Bourne it felt a little bit too James Bondy for me Mm, yeah but yeah yeah I feel that um so you also I also said to you yesterday like it feels like the Jason Bourne film is like Jack Reacher and James Bond Jack Reacher and yeah they have like a love child and it's Jason Bourne yeah yeah agreed agreed I don't think that's everyone's cup of tea so it's completely valid I feel like it's completely valid I'm sure there's people that like Jason Bourne more than James Bond but you know me personally we'll go we'll go classic gonna go yeah Mm. they're gonna go classic (laughs) so my um last one for not amazing is Jurassic Park slash world so like Jurassic Universe I only say this because I love the concept. Like, I genuinely think it's such a good idea for, like, a, a film and, like, a franchise universe. The only one I loved out of the whole franchise was the very first one. I haven't seen the yeah. third. So I've seen Jurassic Park. I've seen The Lost World. Haven't seen the third one. I've seen Jurassic World and I've seen... Fallen Kingdom, that's it. Um, And I know that they just started filming for Domination? Yeah. I I was like, is that the title? (laughs) Um, But yeah, they've just started filming for that. But I think 
the first one is the best like yeah agreed um I really like the third one actually and mm. um, so I do recommend that but um Jurassic World was okay um I've got a bit of beef with Chris Pratt in the sense I think very much like Robert Downey Jr he plays the same character each time I feel like Chris Pratt in Jurassic World is the same as him as Star Lord is the same as him in um uh oh, what's the passengers with yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. I feel like he really does play the same character a lot. Don't get me wrong, he does it brilliantly. Mm. Um but he's been kind of typecast as the goofy hunk now. And which is kind of sad for him because I feel like he could do a lot more, but you know. Uh, yeah, I feel... I, I really... Di- I didn't like Fallen Kingdom that much. Mm, yeah. No. I I mean, controversially, I preferred it more than the... What's it? The first one of the Jurassic World. Yeah. Like, I yeah, preferred okay. Fallen Kingdom as opposed to um, the, yeah, Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. because i don't know i just uh, when i watch jurassic park now i'm like well jurassic world is just jurassic park yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i get you yeah and i'm just kind of like mm, i don't really like this i can't get on board on this <laughs> mm. um so let's quickly zoom through the ones we want to watch just real quick yeah let's go any ideas of like ones that we want to watch i'm just gonna dash through all my three really quickly the conjuring i'm not a big horror fan but I've heard good things of the Conjuring series and I am willing to have nightmares for like a month to be able to it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah, to be able to maybe get over my fear of horror films and like because mm-hmm. I do feel like horror films have amazing plots, but I can't handle the scariness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get you, I get you. Um and then The Matrix is something that I should have watched by now, but I haven't <laughs> and I need to. And same with Back to the Future. Same with Alien as well. Like, going to throw that in there as well because I really want to watch that. But all of those ones are just ones I super want to watch in the future. Awesome. So I only have two. I need to I need to finish watching The Maze Runner. Um, yeah, I watched the first two and then the third. Uh, yeah, I need, I need to finish it because um, I really enjoyed the first and the second one um not as much as i did hunger games as i say but you know what i'm willing to refresh um and start again and i also i need to die hard oh my god yes need to go back to die hard first one i've seen not the second but i need to complete the franchise oh maybe another one um the Mission Impossible's. I've only seen a few of them, and again, there's quite there's quite a lot. So I'm yeah, I'm gonna go all in. I'm gonna go out on them and say that I don't like the Mission Impossible films. Like they're what they're one of the franchise films that I just don't like. Can't get on board. Do you know, I really liked the most recent one, but I feel like if you've seen the first one, you've or if you've seen one, you've seen all of them. I think. Yeah, and like I'm not impressed by like Tom Cruise in general. Ah, tea. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is the tea. This is the tea. My biggest bit of tea is that like, I'm not the biggest fan of Tom Cruise. Um, so like I don't particularly enjoy watching, yeah, Mission Impossible films. 
But I guess this wraps up us talking about all these amazing franchise films. Yeah. It's been epic. It's been amazing. I've genuinely had one of the best conversations ever. It's been so fun. It's been so much fun. (laughs) Awesome. So now let's go on to the infamous segment of the show. Right. Are you aware of this segment of the show? We're commencing to the back end. I'm ready for this. You're ready. I've been prepping. See, you're you're doing better than me because um, if you look at my notebook, um, oh yeah, I can see it. Yeah, I I this it's empty. Oh no! <laughs> I so I'm gonna let you go first purely because not because I'm not prepared. No, yeah. it's because you're the guest and like you should definitely go first. Let's go. So, I mean, I've got three recommendations and I've got two back ends, I guess. One of them is only one of them is a franchise film, though, I guess. That's fine. The Hangover franchise. Ooh. Oh my gosh, I've been re watching them and it's such, some of it is such toilet humor and some <laughs> of it is so, it's so bad that it's funny, you know? So if you're into that kind of humour, the Hangover trilogy is so good. Um, we're going to throw another Bradley Cooper one in, Limitless. It's not franchise, but Limitless is such a good film. I feel it's so intelligently done. And the amount of people that haven't seen it upsets me a little bit. We all need to go watch it. Um, finally, one of my favourite films ever is A Ghost Story. It's on Netflix and it stars um, Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck. Um, I don't even want to spoil it, but it's so weirdly wonderful and emotional. It's just so good. It's a real indie kind of film. Ooh, interesting. It also has Kesha as a cameo. She doesn't sing. She plays like a weird drunk hippie girl and we love it. I'm here for this. I could get behind all of those. That's like probably like the weirdest like little drop I can put in about it. But yeah. <laughs> awesome. I'm I'll definitely check out a few of those. Mm-hmm. I've seen Limitless. Um Limitless. Yes. It's I forget good. how much I like it every time I see it. Yeah. What do you recommend? What 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 do you recommend? Okay, let's go with something that I watched last night. <laughs> so I recommend Midsummer. So I have heard only good things about this. I had um like a lot of like I I'm on Letterbox. I think you should get Letterbox. I think you'd enjoy Letterbox. Yeah, I think I will. It's a like loads of people. You, if you're listening, you've heard me bang on about this for like so long. But it's basically a kind of social media thing for film so like you can find different films on here you can like different reviews on there you can put reviews put all the films that you've watched you can have like a film diary and like it's kind of like your collection of like your personal experience with films that's cool. awesome it's the way i found out about this film and because it's it was like on the popular um what's the, what's the word popular reviews this week and i was like I definitely should watch this it was on Amazon Prime and I was like let's go for it and it definitely surprised me and like it's have you have you seen it for starters I have not and I'm so embarrassed by it it's completely fine you should watch it I'm not gonna say anything about it 
because it's one of those films that you should go in completely blind because I went in completely blind. Yes, it was like yeah, yeah. it was insane. I've tra- um, seen the trailer and just in itself, it's like this looks cool. I am invested. Florence, um, she doesn't. She does some amazing acting in it. There are some every every actor that I saw in it, I knew, which was good. I was like, oh, I'm proud of myself. I love films like that. <laughs> it's, it's so good, and um, it's definitely shocking. If you're not into gore, definitely don't watch this film. Um, and if you don't like eerily creepy vibes, then altogether, I just don't think this film is the one for you. But if you're listening to this and you're like, whoa, this actually sounds pretty lit, definitely go give it give it a shot. Awesome. So I think my two back end today, oh, again, this might be a bit of backlash. Um, I'm going to kind of count them as a franchise, I suppose. Fort and Our Stars and Paper Towns, they're technically like John Green. I'm going to say it's like a John Green film franchise. <laughs> I know I, I've got, I'm like 90% sure they're going to make more of um, his books. Um, I loved them as books. I really hated them as films. Um, oh, I could probably, I could go into it for a while. I just really didn't enjoy them as much. Watching it then and then re-watching it, it's kind of like, oh, really? It's a bit, some of the stuff that's like really cringy. Um I don't know what accent Cara Delevingne did in Paper Towns. It was not English or <laughs> to me. It, I don't know who, where she was from, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think as teen movies go and like as kind of like young adult fiction films, there's better. Mm. And it, with regards to like um, film to book, there's been better. Mm. I've said my piece. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. Yeah. Ooh. I, I mean, I get, like, threats in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you bring up some valid criticism. I, I wasn't too, I wasn't too keen on The Fault in Our Stars. I haven't seen Paper Towns because... You don't need to. <laughs> you, know, you know what's why I saw trailers for it. Didn't yeah. seem like my vibe. So I was like, you know what? It's like, it was that time when a load of these type of films were coming out. Exactly. And I was like, I'm not, I don't want to, this feels like a mediocre version of all of them. So <laughs> I'm just not yeah, going to watch agreed. it. So I've now had time to think about my back end and I still haven't thought of a back end. And I'm trying to think of one. I'll recommend, I'm going to do another, rec- I'm, I'm going to not have a back end this time because I can't. Uh, we love the positivity. No bad, no bad <laughs> films this week. No bad films, but I actually have a TV show this week. Ooh. Um, I talked a little bit about it to you um, yesterday. Yes. It's yes. a K-drama. Um, so for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically like a Korean drama, um, similar to like K-pop is like Korean pop. Um, if, you, what, if you've watched Parasite and you're like, I want to see more like Korean stuff, like I would definitely recommend attempting to watch k-dramas because there's a load on netflix and the one that i'm watching at the moment is called um it's okay not to be okay and it's a very 
weird you have okay with K dramas you have to accept there is some element of cringe because I was watching it yesterday and I was like oh there is a little bit of cringe in this but it's because Korean like the Korean market love like romance and love like cheesy romances but the story of this K drama is extremely compelling it is about a girl who's cursed as a kid um and like this shadow of like badness like follows her around and she's quite like she's quite dark and quite like gruesome as a person and then you you have like this counterpart who basically is like a good guy who looks after people at like a psychiatric hospital and stuff and it's kind of like well she should kind of be in the psychiatric hospital because she's kind of messed up a little bit um and she's like a famous author as well and it's like super she like writes eerily weird children's books and it just follows their like their stories about like I'm not going to give too much away but like their interactions and um I guess yeah their relationship it's pretty cool that's awesome Mm, I definitely recommend it to people who want to give that genre a try yeah thank you Mm, awesome so I guess that it's the end of the recommend to the back end segment. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so we have now reached the end of the episode. Oh, I mean, I'm sad. I was having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm having a great time too. Um, but unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for coming on the episode. It's no, been absolutely thank- amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I've said to you so many times how big of a fan I am of the podcast. So it's so lovely actually being a guest. It really means a lot. Thank you so much, Andita. Oh, thank you. Like, <laughs> I I genuinely love, like, all the support, not just, like, you, but, like, everyone has been giving this podcast. Like, it's so, it's so kind. Like, it's so lovely. It warms my heart. It makes me want to continue going on and on and on with this. Um, <laughs> and I think like it it's really cool like I want to just say like quickly like it's really cool to have someone like you on the podcast because the in the circumstances that we met in terms of like we met at a place where it's very film centric Mm -hmm. and then some of the stuff that you've done as well like you did that whole play for like your EPQ which was like something that I was like in awe of (laughs) <laughs> and I'm just like I'm very honored to have a person like you on my podcast because I'm like wow you like you're pretty amazing when it comes to like the film world thank you so much that really does mean a lot yeah I'm just uh meeting your ILM was like so lovely and I'm so glad I did meet you because yeah I think there was a moment where we just kind of clicked we really just kind of realized oh my god we've got so much in common and yeah it was a really it was a wholesome little friendship and I'm very happy that it happened so thank you very much yes um best thing to happen this year because not much has happened oh thank you yeah 2020 has not been the year we were hoping for not not at all not the one we were expecting you know what 2021 I'm sure we're gonna have some banging films come out now yes hopefully just (laughs) all of them release All of them released within a month and we just live in the cinema. Literally, honestly. Cinemas are open now, so... Tenant? I'm still debating that, though. Whether... Tenant? Is... <laughs> By the time this podcast episode come out, because this is a pre-recorded episode, 
mm-hmm. would Tennant be out? Would I have seen Tennant already? <laughs> Who knows? It looks the trailer. I can't. I get like freaked out just like watching it. It's so good. Christopher Nolan, we love him. Yes, yes. Uh... Oh, anyway, if you are new to the podcast, hello. You know, I'm glad that you came and stuck around for this journey. You should definitely listen to some of the previous episodes. If you're listening on Google Podcasts or you're listening on Spotify, do give the podcast a follow so you can just, you know when an episode is coming out and like you're prepared. And if you're on Apple Podcast, do give that podcast a subscribe, a rating, a review. Five stars only, please. We That's what we only accept from now on. And um, <laughs> as I mentioned in the episode, you can follow me on Letterboxd, which is the um, the film discovery like uh, thing. And I am underscore Nandita underscore on that. And if you want to, I guess, recommend an episode idea or you want to give me a recommend to the back end or you just want to tell me, you know, what's been going on with like um, the episode and how you found the episodes, you can uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dita on both and just let me know. Or if you just want updates about, I do some, I post some really random updates about what's going on with the film stuff in my life. So definitely do give those a follow and I guess I don't really have anything else to say do you have anything else to add uh support the podcast it's really cool that's literally (laughs) all I can say (laughs) we need to we need to hype this up we need to give it the appreciation that it deserves thank you anyway thank you everyone for listening and thank you Gracie for joining me again thanks so much for having me (laughs) And I will see you all next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.